Hi, good evening. The parsha is the parsha of Emor. And we're going to talk a little bit about Tumat Kohanim. Before we do that, let's just review in our minds the approximate structure of the book of Ayikra. The book of Ayikra is the book which is most foreign to us. The book that we don't usually get to act upon. Because the book of Ayikra is very much about the Beit HaMikdash. At that time, at the time of the desert, the Mishkan, the tabernacle. It's about Korbanot, and it's about Avodah, the service of God in the Beit HaMikdash, which was done by the Kohanim, the Leviim, and the people who brought the Korbanot. All of that is missing for us. We don't have the Korbanot, we don't have the Beit HaMikdash. We're unable to follow through on the things in the in this uh, in this third book of the Torah. And uh, moreover, beyond what we're missing, beyond what we're missing in, uh, because we don't have the Beit HaMikdash, uh, we're also missing um, the service of the, of the Kohanim, the, what they did besides the Korbanot, the Leviim who sang and made music in the, in the Beit HaMikdash, all of that is, is missing. Our parasha of Amor starts out with a very, very special uh, halacha about the Kohanim. The Pasuk says, V'yom HaShem HaMoshe Lemor El HaKohanim B'nei Aaron, an introduction. God speaks to Moshe and says to him, speak to the Kohanim, the sons of Aaron, alehem. you will say to them, you'll say to them, lo that's the continuation. Lo he should try, he the Kohanim, they the Kohanim should avoid becoming Tameh. The word Tameh could be uh, uh, translated by unclean, but that's not what it means. It means becoming unfit to do the service of God in the Beit HaMikdash. And how do you become unfit? Well, you come into contact with somebody who is Tameh. The most likely is the, the dead person, the corpse. So the people who who do the mitzvah of taking care of the of the dead, preparing them for burial, all of them must necessarily be tamei. And so the pasuk says, "La nefesh lo pasuk and pasuk bet says, "Ki imle." There are certain exceptions, certain exceptions where you are allowed, but generally a kohen is not allowed to become Tameh. It's as though he's always on reserve duty for working in the Beit HaMikdash, for doing what has to be done in the Beit, in the Beit HaMikdash. Uh, Rashi says, you remember Rashi? So Rashi says, Emor ala kohanim, emor ve'amarta. I mean, it's a little strange that the Pasuk says both words, Emor, speak, speak to the Kohanim, uh, 
And then and say to them as follows. It's a departure. I mean, most of the psukim we know in the Torah. Once, once is enough as follows. Why That's what the question that appears in the Medrash and in Rashi. Rashi says, he says there are two audiences. There's the audience of the adult Kohanim, who get, are the direct recipients of the words of Moshe Rabbeinu. And then there are the children, the children of these older Kohanim. And they have to teach the, the, the Kohanim. Okay. Um, then, then the Rashi goes on to explain B'nai Aharon, who is it addressed to? Yechol Chalalim, people who are not actually uh, liable to do the service of the Beit HaMikdash, Talmud Lomar HaKohanim, including everybody. B'nai Aharon, Af B'nai Mumin even those who are, have physical blemishes, so they also are usually excluded from, excluded from worship in the Beit HaMikdash. B'nai Aaron, V'lo B'not Aaron, it's not talking about the daughters, only the, the sons. Lo yitama ba'amav. Lo yitama ba'amav. He should not become tamay ba'ot sh'amet b'toch amav, as long as the dead person is, uh, will, be, will be taken care of by somebody else. I mean, if the situation arises that the coin is confronted by a mate mitzvah, a dead person who we are commanded, if we can, to to take care of him, right? That's the mate mitzvah, to take care of the mate mitzvah. So, so in other words, what, what Rashi seems to uh, teach us is that this is a very serious matter. This matter of Tumah is very serious. And, and I just want to tell you that this comes also... Uh, I mean, this is uh, also something that we learned at the Tanchuma, which we will come to presently. Now, if you have the, the sheet that I prepared, so just turn it over. And in the book of Ayikra, there are mostly rules and regulations, nothing uh, particular, pers particularly personal. But there is one story that is absolutely remarkable and defies understanding at first. That's the story of B'nai Aaron Nadav Aviu, the book of Ayikra, Perak Yud, the first two, three psukim. What do they say? Vayikhu B'nai Aaron Nadav Aviu, and Nadav Aviu, the sons of Aaron, Vayikhu, they took Ish they took these censers where they put the Ketoret, sacrifice, they fired them up. They went and they they were Kohanim, the sons of Aaron are going, and they decided to sacrifice the Ketoret, the sweet smelling, the sweet smelling sacrifice. And they decided on their own. They they said, This is this looks like a good thing to do. Let's do it. Let's do it. And they sacrificed an Eish Zara. Eish Zara means 
uh, an exceptional, exceptional fire, unprogrammed, unlisted, not halachic, not what should be. We don't know why they did it. That's what the Pasuk says. They were not commanded to bring this fire, but they brought the fire in any event. Pasuk bet. But they'd say, it seems that the heaven, in heaven, were, there was great agitation, unhappiness. They immediately sentenced Nadav in heaven. They sentenced Nadav to death, and the fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And they died. They died, so here you have Natavaviu doing something strange, being punishing, punishing them immediately on the spot. There was no, I mean, they could have gone to Moshe Rabbeinu and, and claimed, as they did in other cases, uh, somebody denied the rules of Shabbat. And he was put into jail until Moshe Rabbeinu could find out what the heck should happen with him. Here, there's no intermediary. It's as though Nadav Aveu acted against God and God acted against them immediately. It was an immediate and immediate response. So uh, Rashi says, Rashi quotes, Rashi quotes this. Oh, I'm sorry. Pasuk Gimel. Pasuk Gimel. Vayome Moshe Laharon, hu asher dibar Hashem leimor. And and uh, Moshe said to Aaron, it, it was Aaron is the father. The Davavir, we don't know too much about them, but let's assume they were okay until this moment. They weren't trying to run away. They weren't trying to run away from responsibility. They weren't trying to deny the fact that they were Kohanim. They weren't they're, they're trying to deny the fact that you had to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the Beit HaMikdash, at least that's what I think. And yet, they were lying dead before their father, Aaron. By Yom Moshel Aaron, who asher diber Hashem leimor. This is what God meant. God meant. We don't know when God meant it or when God said it, but what did God say? Bekrovai ekadesh. I will be sanctified by those closest to me. And I will become, I will be honored before the entire nation. And this is like a mystery statement. Vaidom Abraham. Aaron. And Aaron, Aaron, he had nothing to say. He, Aaron, had nothing to say. So, I mean, so there's, it's not hard to say that there's a hidden story here, which has to be, which has to be understood. So let's look at the Rashi. Let's look at the Rashi. The fire came out, they consumed them. Rabbi Eliezer, Aaron, Ella, Al why did they die? Why were they? Why was it determined that the death penalty is the appropriate response? Because they denied the authority of Moshe Rabban, Moshe, their their teacher, 
Moshe, the person who taught them what they should do and by implication what they shouldn't do. And even though Moshe Rabbeinu did not teach them to bring this ketoret sacrifice, they brought it anyway, right? Rabbi Yishmael Omer, and Rabbi Yishmael said, they were drunk. Drunk meaning they lost their minds. They accepted upon themselves the authority to determine what the Torah wants, but at the same time, they lost their minds. And that was a tremendous sin. You should know that after they died, his hira notarim, and after they died, the Torah says quite explicitly that drunkenness and serving God do not go together. Those made me wonder about Purim, but that's a different something for a different occasion. Mashan Mashal Lemelech Shayalo Ben Bayit Kedita Bevayikra Rabo. So to say, he quotes the the Medrash in Vayikra. So in other words, there are two opinions. The opinion of Rabbi Eliezer is that the children of Aaron, the sons of Aaron, they they denied Moshe Rabbeinu's Torah. They said, not only Moshe Rabbeinu can tell you what to do in the Beit HaMikdash, but we can tell you what to do in the Beit HaMikdash. The second opinion, the opinion of Rabbi Yishmael said, they lost their minds because they were drunk and they refused to accept the fact that they could not determine determine what to do so that both Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yishmael were looking for a way to say this. Their crime was not just a crime of omission or a crime of adding something, but it was a crime against the Torah itself. It said either that Moshe Rabbeinu was not the only one who's going to teach the Torah, but any of us could do it. Any of us could teach that. According to Rabbi Ishmael, according to Rabbi Ishmael, that's not the way. That's not the way he understands it at all. But according to Rabbi Ishmael, they lost their minds, and they didn't recognize the fact they lost their minds. They drank. And when you're drunk, you you can't paskin. I mean, that's a halacha. If it's a posek. Somebody who is asked Shilas to determine the law, he can't answer questions when he's drunk. Because drunkenness equals losing your mind. And losing your mind doesn't go along with the Torah. We have to understand the tradition of interpretation and the tradition of the of the halakha. So that story, the story remains a little bit unclear. The part about what did he do? What did he do? So then the Pasuk, Vayomer Moshe, the Pasuk Gimel, Vayomer Moshe Aaron, This is what God told us about. Told us what's going to happen. God told us this, Rashi, Where, where, what is Moshe Rabbeinu talking about? What's he, what's he referring to? So the Pasuk says, I will meet up there in the Mishkan, in the tabernacle, 
Livnei Yisrael with the people, v'niktash b'chvodi, and I will become, will be sanctified with the honor that they give me. Al tikrei b'chvodi, ela b'mechubadi. So the Chachamim, Chachamim had this way of understanding. I mean, it's a, a separate conversation almost. That that you know, Hebrew. Hebrew is a, a language that needs vowels. It doesn't have any vowels. So over the years, different systems were developed. So we we use a simple system of nikud. We have a vowel that's an a and an e and an u and an o, but but we write the Sefer Torah that we read from in shul on Shabbat without vowels. I mean, there are a little bit of vowels in the letters that are vowels. Like uh, uh, the word Torah, the word Torah was a word that we use a lot. Taf, vav, resh, hey. So that hey at the end, what is it doing there exactly? If you remember your stay in uh, Ulpan, you can probably all attest to the fact that that hey at the end is not part of the shoresh. It's not part of the essential word, which is taf resh or taf vav resh, but there's no hey in the shoresh. So what is that hey doing there? Well, that hey is a vowel. The hey says that the vowel following the resh is ah. That's what it says. But that system was very limited. It only worked in certain cases, and by the ninth century, much later than than the uh, Tanaim and the Amoraim and the Saboraim. But at that time, they developed systems of vocalization that helped me to read the words correctly. But that left me an interesting option of drashot, that you had a word that was not vocalized. And because it was not vocalized, you didn't always know how to read it. So you could read it one way, you could read it another way. Chazal thought that that might be meaningful. The fact that you could read words in the Torah in different ways, even though there was one proper way to read it, the way you read it in shul, or the way the Baal Korei in shul reads it, but you could still read it in another way. So this word, this word that we're talking about, al-tikrei b'chvodi, ela b'mechubadi, you can read it that way, right? It was, you just jiggle around the vowels. Take my word for it. So that, so that proves that this pasuk in Shmot Perikav Tet, right? Really is about mechubadi. That not not only will will I be honored by the people, but I'll be honored by the the most important people, most important people. Amalo Moshe Aaron. Moshe said to Aaron, Aaron Achi, Yodea Hayiti, Sheyit Kadesh, Abide be me, you Adav Shel Makov. I knew that the sanctity of the Beit HaMikdash, the sanctity of the Beit HaMikdash will be established by those who are close to him, 
Vayiti savur obi obichan. I thought to myself, Moshe Rabbeinu says in this in this medrash that Rashi is quoting. He says, I, I didn't mention it because I thought it would be you or me. So I didn't want to distress you. I didn't want you to think that something was happening that you didn't know about because I thought probably that it would be me. Rashi continues, Now I see when God was talking about the great people in the nation, the Nikdash Bimchubadi, that I will be sanctified, meaning the Beit Hamikdash, the 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 the, uh, the Mishkan, the Tabernacle, will be sanctified by the the greats of the nation. I thought surely that would be either you or me. Parentheses, probably he thought it would be him. Moshe Rabbeinu. Now I see Moshe Rabbeinu says to Aaron, I see it wasn't you and it wasn't me. But in fact, in fact, uh, in fact, Ro'e'ani, Shehem Gedolim Mimeni Uvimchai, see that Nadav Aviu are greater yet than you and that me. Now Rashi, by quoting this Medrash, he changes the whole story. I mean, even though I was reading the story, it sounded like they were doing something bad. Now it sounds like they were doing something great. I mean, they had to give up their lives, but it was great. It wasn't just like they weren't robbers and they weren't murderers. They didn't mess up the world, but they tried to sanctify the world. And in fact, they did. Well, why were they punished with the fire from heaven? Why was that? But before we get to that, you see, Aaron was quiet. He was rewarded for his quietness. What did he get? What Aaron get for giving his two sons, his two oldest sons, in order that the Mikdash, the Mishkan, the tabernacle should become sanctified, what did he get? He got a portion of the Torah. Because the next part of the Torah talks about the prohibition of drinking intoxicating beverages when you go to, when you go into the Beit HaMikdash, and that was taught directly to Aaron. All of the Torah was taught first to Moshe and then to, to the others, right? To the important people, less important. The Torah. Everybody learned that that portion of the Torah, but this was was taught to uh, this was taught to uh, says translation. Uh, Yeah. The Pasuk says, That introduces the Pasuk Don't drink when you come to Oromoe. That's how Rabbi Ishmael knew that it must be drunkenness. It must be drunkenness. 
Rabbi Eliezer says, well, it's a form of drunkenness. If you're standing before Moshe Rabbeinu and you say something halachic or, 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 or uh, uh, something that the God wants of us, and you, and you say in front of Moshe Rabbeinu, you disagree with him. I'm, well, you have to be mad or drunk. Mad or drunk. So there, the Pasuk says, where the only Aaron is addressed. And that was the Sahar. The Sahar is that every year we come to this parasha. We come to the parasha of Shemini two weeks ago. We come to the parasha of Shemini and we say, forever and ever. Is there a greater reward? Is there a greater reward than having? Kavod, the kavod of receiving a parashah, the Torah. He, Aaron, received the parashah, and he, Aaron, had to disseminate that Torah to the to the rest of the world. And we, when we read the parashah on Shabbat in Shul, we say it again and again, Vaydaber Hashem El Aaron Lemor, and that was the that was the prize that Aaron received. Now this is repeated again. This story. Uh, let me just finish the Rashi. Al penei kol ha'amek haveit shakarish bocho said din betzadikim mityarei mitale umitkales. Okay, this is a different topic. I would just like to get back to where we we were. If you look at uh, if you look at Perak Tetzayin Achremot Achremot Shnei Bnei Aaron. This is a, a kind of pre-si of, of the story. They they here, however, it says they brought a sacrifice before God that they died. Okay? And then it says in the second Pasuk, Moshe, it should not come any time. No, this is the, the halacha that was abrogated by Nadav Aviu. He says, don't come whenever you want to come, whenever you curse to you to come. Rashi, Rashi. A sick person was visited by a doctor. I can sympathize with this very easily. The, the doctor says, don't eat this and don't sleep there. And the other guy says, The second doctor comes in and says the same thing. He tells him to do this, you know, don't eat this and don't sleep there. And otherwise you'll probably die like Plody died. The second one is more effective. You say, otherwise you're going to die. I mean, that's pretty effective. You know, nobody wants to die. The second doctor is more effective than the first doctor. In, in other words, 
what the Torah says is, before I tell you what I want to tell you, I want you to think about the two sons of Aaron who died. The two sons of Aaron who died. The next pasuk says, Exactly what what our what Nadav and Aveyu did, you're not allowed to do. You have to come. You could only come into the Beit Hamikdash on special times, times that are noted. On Yom Kippurim, the Kohen Gadol goes into the Kodesh Kodeshim, but only on Yom Kippurim. Only Yom Kippurim. So we've seen. I think we have seen that uh, there's a general law of Tuma connected to Kohanim. Kohanim have to be ready to do the Avoda in the Beit HaMikdash. And because of that, they have to avoid becoming Tamei so that even if somebody dies, they can't participate in the funeral. They're in constant coronavirus mode they can't participate unless it's a rashi said unless it's a bait mitzvah unless there's no one else really no one else in the world is going to bury the dead then it becomes reasonable to do so but in any event in any event burying the dead uh is possible in certain cases but generally speaking you have to stay away from anything that creates tumah that creates this kind of special mystical uncleanliness Right, so uh, on the sheet there is a long passage from the uh, from the pre-tzaddik, which I suggest you give a shot, you try it, and I'm going to just quote a few lines. So he quotes the Tanhuma that's also on the sheet, and he says this. I'm looking, I'm looking at the pre-tzaddik, not at the Tanhuma, but it's the same. But Amira Bet Pa'amim, you know, as it says in the Pasuk, Amira, Aleph Mem Reish, twice, right? Emor Kohanim, Va'amarta Alehem, that's twice. Lama Davar Domeh, Amar HaMelech Litabach. It's also also this case, he quotes the case, Amar HaMelech, so tries to understand and so it says it says it says it's like a, a, a king has uh, servants who are maintaining somehow the uh, the household so he, he says look when you come into my household i want you to be clean i don't want you i want you to look good i don't want you to mess around outside and come in looking looking like a mess it's just the same thing the isra of tumor is about the Beit HaMikdash. It's about the Mishkan. I, I keep uh, exchanging those two words, but you understand that that's all right. The Beit HaMikdash, I mean, the Kohanim have to go in and out. They go in, they go out. So they should always be prepared. Always be prepared means that there should always be 
to make it tahorim. They shouldn't allow themselves to become unclean, which is what a, a let's say, a non-Jewish king might, uh, you know, might say. You shouldn't make my my castle unclean. So God said, you Kohanim who are coming into the Beit HaMikdash, who are going to come into the Beit HaMikdash, I mean, uh, you should not be, be Tamei. You should not be Tamei because you might come in at any time. Okay. So the pre tzaddik says this. This is his question. The Fitam said, so, so okay, that's what the Torah says. The Torah says, according to the Tanchuma, when you go into the Beit Hamikdash, you should be clean. So even when you're not going into the Beit Hamikdash, avoid Tuma. Don't get yourself involved. That's what that's what he that's what the 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 pre-tzaddik says. He says it should be the by implication from this is He says this is something that is connected to the Beit Hamikdash. So there's no Beit Hamikdash. Why would I care about Tuma Vatara? I mean, what difference does it make? Today, there shouldn't be anything, any laws of Tumah He doesn't understand. How, how could the Pasuk say that he might make the Beit HaMikdash Tameh? I mean, he's not allowed to go into the Beit HaMikdash. I mean, if he does it against the, against the rules, but, but according to the rules, he can't go into the Beit HaMikdash. He can't make it Tameh. He can't make anything. Below Davka Kohen, Akol Yisrael Musarim Alzeim. Everybody, it's forbidden for everybody to go into the Beit HaMikdash when they're Tameh. Not just the Kohanim. After he goes through the process of becoming Tahor, right? He does uh, the mikveh and then Arif Shemesh, the sun goes down. He says, so what if he if he's used to going to the Beit HaMikdash sometimes? But he's Tamei, he won't go. And somebody else will go in place in his in his place, in his stead. Everybody knows that the Kohanim were divided into 24 groups. He says, and really we know that the Beit the Kohanim had, there was like the division. They were divided into 24 groups. Each one came for two weeks. And the other weeks of the year, you didn't come at all. 
So, so the, the pre-tzaddik says, why couldn't he become Tomei? You know, we have the wrong idea. We have in back of our minds the idea that Tomei is something bad. But it's not. It's just a re- realistic thing. If you're Tomei, you can't work in the Beit HaMikdash. But if you're not working in the Beit HaMikdash, it doesn't really matter if you're Tomei or not. And since it, the, the work of the Kohanim in the Beit HaMikdash was organized, and it took a week to become, to change Tamei into Tahor. So everybody was able to plan. If they were Tamei, they were able to plan. In another week, they would have to go to the Beit HaMikdash. So they became Tahor. Right. The Gam Mazet Shuval, Beit Pa'amim. And also he doesn't understand what this has to do with the nature of the language that's used in the Pasuk of Lemar and Amira. He says he, he doesn't understand all that. He quotes a This Pasuk says that the fear of God a pure and a clean kind of fear of God is forever. This is this are all parts of the questions that he that he asks. Now I'm going to skip um, to which line three. Five, seven, nine, eleven, twelve, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Nineteen. Line nineteen, the first word in the line is is also it's, he's not allowed to go to a place where there's a, to a closed place where there's a dead body so you know that there are all sorts of arrangements for kohanim to go to a hespade before the burial and burying kohanim near a, a road in the in the graveyard so that others can come and visit him other kohanim can visit the, the grave so we know that there's no beit mikdash we haven't had beit mikdash for two thousand years I would the Kohanim are still Tamei. Well, what about the questions that the pre-Tzadik asked? What does it mean they're Tamei? What are they Tamei about? And there's no way for them to become untamei. Not only is there no way for them to become Amei, untamei, but even if they're Tamei, they can't become Tamei. Does that make sense? Even if they are Tamei, and everybody today is Tamei, because it's inconceivable that somebody has not come into contact with a dead body or with a person who came into contact with a dead body. So that means that, or bones, or, you know, you know I mean, it's, it's a very common thing. And so it's not just that the Kohen can't become Tamei, but even if he's Tamei, he can't become Tamei. That's how powerful this prohibition is. But what happened to the questions of the pre-tzaddik? What, what do I need all this chumrah for with the Kohanim? After all, 
after all, uh, there's no Beit HaMikdash, there's no Korbanot, there's no service, there's no Avoda of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the Beit HaMikdash today, for which we need Kohanim exclusively. We also have no way of producing Kohanim that are Tahor. You need the Beit HaMikdash, you need Paraduma, you need... So that's it. Every Kohen in the world simply piles up Tuma, you know, day after day, month after month, year after year. It just every time you come into contact with some sort of Tuma, which as we said before is very likely, right? You come, you, you, you're doing something wrong. You're doing something wrong. I want to talk about the nature of the wrong that you're doing. So that's the pre says, you can't you can't become tame to dead. Ah, He comes up with this idea, the pre it's an idea that I want you to. I want you to to understand. Shehem, Abizman Hazeh, Shehem Tamid Kimo Bamikdash. this is this is the the remarkable thing that we're living with right the remarkable thing when the mishkan was built mishkan was built Moshe Abedu was told the Beit HaMikdash will become real. Bikrovai with those who are, something is going to happen. Something is going to happen, which is meta-halachic. It's like a God saying to Moshe Rabbeinu, you don't have to think about it. You'll just get it. You build it, you put it down, you put it up, you put it down, you put it up. You do You do what you could do. You do what Moshe Rabbeinu could do, but you, Moshe Rabbeinu, are not, I mean, somebody has to do something. Somebody has to do something special, something remarkable, which will make the Mishkan into a Mishkan. And that something is 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 hidden behind that phrase, Bikrovai Akadesh. I will become sanctified, meaning that the Beta Mikdash will be operative. The Beit HaMikdash will be operative even if you don't do it. You, Moshe Rabbeinu, did not do it. And we know that Aaron HaKohen couldn't do it either because when he wanted to bless the people, it didn't come out right. 
but we're not getting involved in that. Here, the Pritzadik says something very remarkable. He says, you know why the Kohanim have to avoid becoming Tamei? You know why the Kohanim have to avoid changing the way they are? Because, because this is what he says. Says Tumat Hamet Abizman Hazeh Sheim Tamid Kimo BaMikdash. That's where they are. The Kohanim, they're in the Mikdash. Why? Why does he say such a thing? Why he say such a thing? It was it was Nadav Aviu, Nadav Aviu, who represented the idea that they were at home in the Beit Hamikdash. They weren't interested in denying the authority of Moshe Rabbeinu. They weren't interested in losing their minds to the drunkenness that Rabbi Ishmael mentioned that continues the parasha in Shmini. They weren't there at all. What they were was absolutely comfortable in the Beit HaMikdash. They saw the Beit HaMikdash open the door, a gate, to higher levels or to significant levels of achievement. It wasn't just you came to the Beit HaMikdash, you came to the Mishkan when God called you, but you could actually call God to the Beit HaMikdash. And that's Bikrovai Akadesh. That's what Akadesh means. That somebody came and said, we want this Mishkan, this tabernacle. We want to have a Beit HaMikdash. We need it. We need it. We're going to prove that we need it. We're going to prove we want it. We prove we need it. And in heaven, in heaven they said, what, what are we to do? What are we to do? This is not the way that people will be able to put up with things. It's not the way that we designed it. But after Bikrovaya Kadesh, everybody will come at the appointed times. You can't run the people of Israel for Nadava view. You can't wait until everybody becomes committed to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's not the way the Mishkan is affected. Not affected. So at the same time, you had Nadav Aviu, Nadav Aviu Kadesh creating the Mishkan, the tabernacle. They created it because they called God to come. They said, we... The Davavi want to burst through the the gates of Zeshara Shamayim, Yaakov Avinu, Shara Shamayim, the gate into heaven. We want to burst through and get to get to that heaven. The Davavi proved that we could have a Mishkan. But at the same time, in heaven it was determined that we can't be followers of Nadav Aviyu. We have to be followers of Moshe Rabbeinu. Nadav Aviyu, they had special spiritual qualities, special spiritual qualities. 
And those spiritual qualities were expressed when they took the Ketoret sacrifice un, unrequested, undetermined. The fire came down from heaven. You know that there were several examples of a fire coming down from heaven and consuming the sacrifice. In this case, the fire came down from heaven and consumed Nadava Aviyu. It was as though in heaven they tried to explain to B'nai Yisrael, you can't be Nadava Aviyu. You have to live in a world of limits. Nadava Aviyu, they did a great thing, but not every great thing is transferable, can be part of the future can be the basis upon which we build the future of Torah observance. So Nodavaviu, they did a great thing. They were consumed by fire like a sacrifice. Could there be a higher response, a more significant response? But the people learned that Nodavaviu was not the model that they would take with them to the Beit HaMikdash, but they would wait patiently, Moshe Rabbeinu, and then after Moshe Rabbeinu, until they're called by heaven to come to the Beit HaMikdash. And so this quality, this genetic aberration that Nadav Aviyu had, is probably in the, all the Kohanim. So all the Kohanim, have to constantly prepare themselves for working in the Beit HaMikdash because as far as they're concerned, the Beit HaMikdash is not absent. Yes, it's not built at the moment, but it will be built. And since it will be built, they are still Kohanim. They still have that inheritance from the Dava view. The Beit HaMikdash is theirs. It belongs to them. And therefore, even doing something that doesn't seem to have halachic, credibility, like thinking about Tum'ah, Tum'ah mate again and again and again, is reasonable for the Kohanim. They all find it a reasonable thing to do. And the Pritzadik says, they are the Bishkan. It's with them all the time. The building is not there, but the soul of the building is in the Kohanim. And so they have to respond to that and act it out. Have a wonderful Shabbos.